play left, and he shovels it up to McCaffrey out of nowhere. Off left tackle into the end zone, touchdown. Creeks off the right side to the 15, he's to the 10, to the 5, touchdown Giants. Oh, catches at the Buffalo 40, sprinting yeah. toward the middle of the field at the bye 15, bye. 10, bye. 5, touchdown. First career touchdown, you sir, are forgiven. It is picked off by the Jaguars running it back. Inside the five, into the end zone, Telvin Smith. Touchdown, Jacksonville. Adams kick is on the way. It looks good. It looks Colts win. Colts win. Colts win. The little alley you pass to Graham. He goes up and makes the catch. Touchdown, Seahawks. Aaron pointing to the right now. Throws left side of the end zone. Leaping great. Yes. Devontae Adams. Yes. Touchdown, Green Bay. Devontae Adams. Green Bay leads it. Kill awaiting the punt of Shane Leckler, fielding it at the 18-yard line. Going to the 25, turns the corner at the 30, up the right sideline to the 40, to the 50-yard line, back to the 40, down the right sideline to the 30, pointing at the 20, to the 10, to the 5, touchdown! Tyreek Hill, 82 yards. It's Kansas City, who remains the only unbeaten team in the National Football League. Just imagine there's a Monday night football highlight on the end of there as well, because I couldn't be bothered to edit one on at the end of the uh, at the end <laughs> at the end of the package. I'd already Were there made. any highlights? Uh, yeah, it was a great uh, a great second half. Uh, you're listening to the Gridiron Show. That was, of course, week five, which is now in the books. Uh, thank you for listening and joining us on the show today. Is Ollie Hunter and Matt Sherry. We are, of course, in association with Touchdown Trips, getting you in the game. Uh, they've got some great kind of one game packages weekend packages is an amazing one at the moment which they're doing around Philadelphia uh, and when you get the uh, they're going to Washington they're going to see Penn State they're oh. doing a train down to Philadelphia Saquon it's, Barkley it's, it's going to be a the real treat one so go and check that out on touchdowntrips.com uh, and uh, on their various social medias as well and we've just been chatting away with Ben Mortimer uh, about exactly the plans for our trip out to the well, States and it's going to be really cool uh, and uh, we we heard the Aaron Rodgers highlight in there. Four people with touchdown trips were in the stadium to see Aaron Rodgers do his thing. So you can go and witness the greatest of all time. You can go and witness greatness with M- touchdown trips. Matt, can't you, Sherry? Matt Sherry is with us as well. Uh, Sherry, I've occasionally been accused of being somewhat of a, a Packers, a secret Packers fan. Um, I'm struggling to deny it after the TalkSport 2 show this week. Would you like to hear how me and Ollie celebrated Aaron Rodgers' touchdown live on air? Yeah, I mean, I obviously heard it live by listening in, but I'll, I'll hear it again. Again, same throw. Oh, Left corner, to Dante Adams. Touchdown, Green Bay! <laughs> Ollie Hunter, his headphones off. He's all oh over God. the shop. Devonte Adams, the man who went out of the game last Thursday night with that horrible hit from Danny Trevathan. And for the second straight play in a row, Aaron Rodgers looks to his left. Discount double check in celebration. This time, Lewis, nothing he can do about it. Devonte Adams jump ball. Touchdown. Have they left too much time on the clock? I'm kidding. <laughs> 11 <laughs> seconds left on the clock. The Packers lead 35-31, 11 minutes to go. Aaron, wow. 11 seconds to go. Seconds to, to go. <laughs> Sorry, not 11 minutes. Oh, my goodness. I just wanted to leave the oh, my goodness on the end. <laughs> I, honestly, I was drained after that. It was incredible, Matt Sherry. Uh, you don't need to keep going to Matt Sherry. It's fine. We'll get to him in a minute. I just wanted him to, to, to say how incredible it was. It was incredible. Thank you, mate. There we go. Uh, <laughs> uh, look, we're going to get into this. It's a ridiculously packed week five of action we need to get into. Obviously, a number of horrible injuries, including arguably the two biggest names in the NFL. Um, uh, in Odell Beckham and JJ. Not non-quarterback names in the NFL, I should say. Going out with season-ending injuries. We've got politics to talk about. We've got great finishes to games to talk about. And plenty to talk about going forwards as well. Uh, it's a almost too much football to talk about to have the normal chat at the top of the show but uh ollie hunter matt sherry are you both well yeah yeah let's get into it great i mean i, I say let's get into it we'll start with monday night football because it's the most recent game but the way I, I watched this game in its entirety kind of live by which i mean i watched the entire of the horrendous first half of football in which sam bradford was clearly brought back into the side far too early by the end of the half i like i wouldn't be surprised if we find out today that actually he's now 
further delayed his return to the team full time because he clearly wasn't healthy. He was limping off the field by the end of that first half. That Case Keenum actually came in for the last series of the first half and then took over the offense for the entire of the second. And they looked so much better once he did. But I watched the entire of the 3 2 first half, a safety and a field goal, the only scores in the game, just because I wanted to watch the Star Wars trailer at halftime. It's the way you roll, isn't it, Will? I mean, that's the fair. Way you I kind of just wanted to get your reaction to the Star Wars what, what, trailer what, what more than anything else. I'm, I'm so excited. I almost am at the point now where I'm going to stop watching the trailers. I mean, obviously that won't happen, but it gets you so pumped and then you realise it's still two months away. Well, Riyad Johnson, the uh, the guy who directed this new Star Wars, actually said, don't watch the new trailer. It's amazing, but don't watch it if you want to come in cold. Like, on his own Twitter, basically encouraged people to ignore the trailer. Uh, there was the greatest tweet from last night uh, of when the stormtroopers were coming out onto the field at yeah. half-time with the American flag out and everything, and somebody just t- took a screenshot and tweeted, finally, nice to see the NFL respecting the troops. <laughs> Very nice. Yeah, that's yep. the exact level of reaction it deserved. Huh. Uh, but in terms of the game itself, um, second half we saw the uh, the uh, the Vikings go up early on. A really nice touchdown drive by Case Keenum to open the half. Then a fake punt touchdown uh, after Mitchell Trubisky had been doing some good work up until that point. Uh, the the Vikings strike back and go ahead again, and then oh. The drive from Mitchell Trubisky down to get the touchdown that eventually leveled things up. But the two-point play that they ran to, to level the game. Has everyone seen the play? Yep. I, I've not seen any of the game yet. So, so the, yeah, it's, I'm, I'm learning. It's, it's a, a two-point play which John Gruden actually genuinely spent uh, 10 minutes going, I've never seen that play before. That's going in my playbook. I've never seen that play before. Trubisky, on a two-point play, takes the snap under centre hands it off for what looks like is going to be a, um, an end around, turns into a reverse as the running back tosses it up to Zach Ertz, the tight end. And then what you've not seen while the defence bites on this this uh, this reverse... Zach Miller. is Yeah, Zach Miller, sorry. Is that Mitchell Drabisky has split out wide right while they're doing the reverse. And then Zach Miller pitches it out to Mitchell Drabisky just to walk into the end zone. It is brilliant. It's so, so good. And suddenly the Chicago Bears with Mitchell Drabisky looked like a fun team. I mean, he had no real weapons. The running game struggled to get going in the first half, although managed to get some chunk plays in the second. It is all what you expect from a rookie quarterback. It's a hell of a lot of bootleg. It's a hell of a lot of play action. But the guy has threw some, threw, threw some really genuinely good throws. However... The touchdown throw, which was caught by Miller, which was tipped up by Sandejo, yeah, yeah. should have been picked yeah. off. And then the game-breaking, game-loss interception that he threw. Basically, the, the, the Vikings went back up by a field goal. Trubisky gets the ball back with about 2.30 left on the clock. And with the first or second play of the drive, threw uh, on a bootleg again, tried to throw the ball downfield down the right-hand side to Zach Miller, and it was picked off by Harrison Smith. And it was just... The biggest of rookie errors. He should have seen Harrison Smith. There's no way he should have tried that throw. And it was a real roller coaster of a game, but you just saw enough from Trubisky to think that against lesser defences, he might win the Bears some games this year. That that play sounds like something Coach Klein might have dreamt up when he got his mojo back in Waterboy. <laughs> do you know do you know what it reminded me of actually? And with Will describing it, it's a bit like a scrum where they do a little in rugby where they do a little uh, fake and then the the uh, the scrum half sort of splits out right and is thrown the ball by the number eight. It it reminded me of that. That's great, Will Gavin. Great, Will Gavin. But yeah, I mean, Trubisky, if they play a bit more like that and that defence looks pretty decent. Who was it? Was it Floyd who um, sacked Bradford two or three times? It looked yeah, really uh, good. And the Bears, this is a Bears defence which uh, operated pretty well in the first half. But by the end of the second, we're down to their, I think, fifth and sixth choice linebackers starting in the middle. They've had so many injuries, plus the Danny Trevathan suspension as well. So, uh, you know, overall, it was a... a, a positive Bears performance but the Vikings on balance deserve the win and they now press forwards with you thinking okay we'll talk about Aaron Rodgers and that ridiculous Green Bay performance but thinking that they can still be competitive in the NFC North I just hope we're not going to find out later today that Sam Bradford really has set back his timetable in a big way at one point in that breakdown you said and then the Vikings strike back and I assumed you were doing the game as 
a Star Wars pun. Oh, I really wish I'd thought about doing you, that. You should have done. I mean, it, it was the return of the Bradford initially, wasn't it? And then we got A New Hope in Mitchell Trubisky. There were so many options. I'm sorry. Wow. I'm really sorry. Matt yeah. Sherry's really genuinely angry about this. Yeah. But I quite like how angry he <laughs> is about it. Uh, right, let's let's turn our attention to the Sunday games then. How do you want to kind of tackle this? Because we, we, we need to talk about Kansas City, obviously. We need to talk about the rest of the NFC North. We need to talk about the big injuries that happened as well. So what direction... Should we start off with probably the game most people are starting off with? The game of the weekend. Because apparently Green Bay and Dallas can't play an unentertaining game of football. <laughs> Oh, it was insane, wasn't it? I'm, I'm at the point now, we've obviously had the Rodgers-Brady debate far too often, where I'm so done with it and so willing to just enjoy two people who are so much better than everybody else at quarterback and week in, week out what they do. It's just wonderful, wonderful to see. And I'm really praying, I've said this a few times this year, for that Super Bowl. Yeah, I think it, it, it would be yeah. it would be amazing. And Aaron Rodgers doing Aaron Rodgersy things with a minute two left. The scramble was an incredible play. Going back to Devontae Adams a second time on exactly the same play when Devontae Adams went to him and basically said, "Run the same play. I'll make the play this time." Was brilliant to see as well uh, uh, over the head of a rookie corner. I, I just. That Jordan was ridiculous, Lewis. and I, they, I just... Is anyone still a little concerned about the Cowboys, or was that a bit of a, you know, Rogers just did something ridiculous, and actually the Cowboys, a bit of a bounce-back for them this week? A, a bit of a bounce-back, but if you're not concerned about the the game management stuff, then, I mean, that... It, how many times do, do you have to see this to learn that you can't give them the ball back? Was there anybody who didn't tweet that they'd left too much time on the clock? And... The reality is they were in a fortunate position of being four points behind, which meant they had to score a touchdown, which meant that even if they'd have taken a knee, they basically would have had three downs to get in the end zone, as you usually would anyway. And Ezekiel like, was, so, was running and, all over Green Bay as well. Yeah, so. and then, the, then they called that pass play, which it was just too early to do it. You had four downs anyway. Like, everything was in Dallas's favour there to basically wipe off all of the time and win the game. I mean, because it was... and, and when, you, when you've got a dual-threat quarterback, you were going to score a touchdown when you're inside the two-yard line if you call the right players. To me, it was just Dallas just handing it on a platter. And for Jason Garrett to come out and say, Aaron Rodgers is great, it's ridiculous. I mean, he, he is great. He, here's my kind of feeling on it, because I think a lot of people went, oh, why, why didn't Dak pull an Armour Bradshaw? And, and I know Armour Bradshaw didn't manage to do it, but tried to take a knee at the one and then try and run it in. Your instinct as a football player, particularly a guy just in his second year, is to go there and get the score. The play calling, however, to throw the ball on second down instead of running it, which would have eaten up more clock, that was what was ridiculous to me. You've, yeah. you've got to be thinking about that at that point, particularly with Aaron Rodgers on the other side. And yeah, I, I, Jerry Jones admitted after the game that they did give Rodgers too much time and a coaching could be something that cost them, combined with the fact that the O-line play still isn't good enough at this point for the Cowboys. Yeah, I, I think that there are causes for concern there, but Green Bay, even with the Lions and, and Vikings sitting just behind them on three and two in the NFC North, have to be favourites for that division right now. L- let's use this. Well, no, no, I, I just want to mention Aaron Jones coming in at running back looked really good. He was yeah, the, awesome. He was the really better good. running back out of Zeke and him, which is, which is great to see. And Dak Prescott, I know he's going to get a few pelters for going in that is his instinct but I thought he had a, apart from a few iffy throws there's some really long third and longs or play action out of the right breaking breaking potential sacks and making the the, the first down so I think it was a really good game from him as well so I, you know there, there are positives for the Cowboys but they need Sean Lee back before we get into more football should we use this as our launch pad to talk politics because I think we need to address this situation today at some point yeah. Jerry Jones has said that a Cowboys player who takes a knee will not be playing for the team, essentially, in his post-match press conference or his you know, chat in the locker room. The Dolphins have since come out and said that players will not be permitted to take a knee before the anthem. If a player wishes to protest the anthem, they're to stay in the locker room. So not as bad as saying, turning around and saying that they're going to not play them at all, but essentially saying, we don't want you openly protesting. You can protest by not being out there. This comes after, and we don't need to talk too much about the Colts 49ers game. Great, the 49ers played another team close, but lost. It's four games 
lost in a row with a total differential of 11 points. That the hurts dream a little season bit. continues. Yeah, exactly. The dream season <laughs> continues. Um, and for the Colts, Adam Vinatieri, Money, Jacoby Brissett Hero. had a game-breaking, near, in, nearly game-breaking inception, but the 49ers couldn't convert it, but actually play, made some amazing plays. Still convinced he's going to be a quarterback to watch out for in this league going forwards. But... Mike Pence, the vice president, turns up to the game, then leaves the game because people don't stand for the national anthem. Donald Trump then tweets that he asked Mike Pence to do that. So essentially, the president and vice president have got together to put on a a, a ridiculous stunt, which is going to cost the taxpayers tens of thousands of dollars in a private jets. A quarter of a million dollars. Oh, my God. That's insane amounts of money. Just to make a point about something that actually, after week four and the Vegas tragedy, had kind of started to eke out of people's thought processes anyway. Also, if you think about that money when it comes to what's gone on in Puerto Rico, uh, the amount of money that J.J. Watt managed to to raise, given the, the initial... Um, target that he wanted, which I was, which was two hundred fifty thousand to to throw away two hundred fifty thousand dollars frivolously like that. I think it's, I think it's a smack in the face for the entire nation. And and it's just it's just the whole thing is a shambles now. And Trump's tweeting about the NFL getting tax breaks this morning, which to me confirms something that I've written in the next magazine that. I genuinely think half of this is a crusade against the one club that he was never able to get into. He always wanted to be an NFL owner. They never let him in. And I I genuinely believe that's at least half of what this is. And when you've got an American president who is that petty, it just sums up the state the world's in. So let's talk about NFL and positive things because it is a real shambles. Can we talk about the best quarterback in the NFL right now? Because it's not Aaron Rodgers. It's not Tom Brady. It's not Drew Brees. It's clearly Alex Smith. Alex Smith (laughs) is number one overall in completion percentage, in touchdown to interception ratio, in passing yards per attempt, which is key because people saw him as a game manager before and his first in passer rating. Against the Houston Texans on Sunday night, they completed the run game they couldn't get going at all. Excuse me one moment. (coughs) I got very excited about Alex Smith. Um... They couldn't get the run game going at all. And actually, Houston's defense, even after losing Merciless and J.J. Watt on the first drive, stepped up, completely stepped up, shut down Kareem Hunt for two and a half, three quarters of that game. And it was only kind of late on. And it's interesting. I think part of the way the Chiefs scheme is that you keep doing those misdirections and eventually it's going to break the back of a defense. And those runners will get big opportunities late on if you keep uh, pressing on with it. But the third and long conversions on a consistent basis, he has been absolutely awesome this year, Alex Smith. And for those who are like, yeah, but it's all game managed, it's all run game, it's everything else. If you compare it to last season, Alex Smith through five weeks has already passed his touchdown numbers for what he had through 12 weeks last season. He has been awesome. And the Chiefs, again, now at 5-0, and were brilliant against the Texans. And it was only some garbage time. Do you know what, Ollie? I'm feeling in a good mood. Gunk time. It was gunk. Deshaun Watson that's that, the that made that game gunk. look close in any way, shape or form. Yeah, I mean, it was a... It was a... I mean, there was a spell where Houston nearly got back into it, but their defence just couldn't stop the Chiefs, which is a combination of the fact that Smith's playing great, the Chiefs' offence is really good. Certainly at this time of year, I'm still remains to be seen how good it will be in the playoffs. But um, at this time of year, it's really good. The one thing I would say with Houston is, is of all the coordinators that have been bad this year, Mike Vrabel has managed to turn that defence, and I know they stopped the run well, but that defence has not been what it should be and what it has been under Romeo Cronell, particularly on third down, where they've been absolutely oh. insanely good. Or like the last two years, they've been the best defence on third down in the NFL by an absolute mile. And, and they made that move because they were worried about Vrabel getting poached by another team. But for me, they need to look at Romeo Cronell getting back involved more in that defence and retaking it over because he just hasn't done a good job with it so far. And that... That isn't just against the Chiefs. Even the Tennessee game that they won handily, they they gave up a lot of points. And outside of the Cincinnati game, that defence hasn't been good this year. And it was amazing. Mike Mayock on the Westwood One feed was saying, couldn't believe every single time after about the the third consecutive, third and long that they that uh, the Chiefs converted, every single time he was saying, how are they still doing this? How are the Texans still allowing this to happen? It was... 
It was crazy. I mean, a, a, a lot of them third and longs were guys who, who were open. And I mean, I still don't think Alex Smith completes those passes last year, so I don't want to take anything away from him. But I think there was an element of both things at play there. A defence that... I mean, if Houston... If Houston had Deshaun Watson last season, there's every chance to win the Super Bowl. Like, he's been really good. I thought he was really good in this game. He's a little bit jittery early on, but he made some insane plays. I mean, he is so far ahead of where we thought he would I think be, and what, that's exciting. What, you, what you're seeing from the Chiefs and, and from Bob Sutton is uh, you're going from one of the worst coach, coach defences with a lot of talent to one of the best coach defences because week in, week out, they're scheming brilliantly for the team they're playing. Um, I went back and I watched the Chiefs' previous games in preparation for our Sunday night football game on Talk Sport. And against the Chargers, what I didn't notice at the time and watched back seeing the coaches' film is they went, right, Chargers haven't been able to run the ball very well, so we're just going to split our safeties out wide. We're going to let them run the ball. Melvin Gordon had his best game of the season running about five yards per carry, but Philip Rivers threw three picks in the first half because they schemed for that. That's exactly what they were looking for, and it was brilliant. Um, And it's key having Justin Houston back in there to to marshal it all. I know there's um, Johnson in there as well who who does a, a similar job, but having those two guys is akin to having Suggs and Mosley for the Ravens, you know? And it, it, it really is making a difference. And, and you add on to that uh, on, on the front as well. Who's the, the fellow who's come in at defensive end, second-year guy who's been absolutely brilliant as well? Um, uh, Jones, Chris Jones. Chris that, Jones. Yeah, yeah, who was, yeah, who was brilliant a couple of weeks ago and again this weekend. We can't not talk about this game without talking about those Texans injuries because JJ Watt, broken fibula, a broken tibula, sorry, around the knee area, out for the season, and potentially that's a, a you know a career changer. That's such a horrendous injury. Whitney Merciless, torn pectoral, out for the season. And we, are we ever going to get to see these three incredibly productive and exciting pass rushers consistently on the field at the same time? And we obviously need to talk about the Jag Steelers game because the Jags coming away from Pittsburgh with a massive 30 to 9 win. But they've got to be starting to look at it with the Titans losing to the Jets. The Jags have to be starting to see themselves as favourites for the AFC South at this point. Yeah, I mean, they should be. But ultimately, we know far well that they'll, they'll get pulverised off the Rams this week because that's just what they do, isn't it? Week to week. It's great one week, terrible the next. And they're just riding that roller coaster at the moment but everything's in their favor because i can't see any of the other teams winning more than nine games at the moment and i think if you think that they will then then you you may be a deluded fan of one of those teams because they're all clearly flawed and the texans now have gone from having this super talented defense to an underperforming one without two of its stars so yeah i think the jags are huge favorites and if if they don't win the division, it's it's probably a bad season at this point. There are no, uh, yeah, there's no player more so than JJ Watt, who particularly recently is as important and has embodied to a a, a town and a city what uh, what a player needs to. But yeah, it's absolutely devastating for them. Just to give you this for the Jags, and let's talk about their game with the Steelers. But yes, they've got the Rams this week, which is a tough game based on what we've seen from the Rams. But then they go to the Colts before Andrew Luck's likely to be back. They then face the Bengals, the Chargers, the Browns, the Cardinals, the Colts again, and they've got the 49ers and the Titans still on their schedule. Right? They have... 10 winnable games left in the season, let alone seven winnable games to get them to the 10 wins they're probably going to need. Now, I'm not expecting them to go out and do that because I think Blake Bortles probably costs them a couple of games and their run defence probably costs them a couple of games. But if they don't win another seven games, it'd be a shocking season for the Jags. However, they just completely shut down the Steelers' offence this week. It was awesome. They, they, they did. It was awesome. But to me, it was the absolute confirmation of everything that I've said all along about the Steelers. I mean, and, and <laughs> the warning signs were there in every single Steelers game this season that this could happen at some point. And the, the problem they've got now, the Steelers, is their schedule has been so easy. They've had the easiest five game schedule of any team in the NFL and have somehow conspired to lose two of the games. I mean, the Jags game is a tough one. If it's at Jacksonville, in Pittsburgh, you should be handling them. And and now it gets really tough. They've got Kansas City this week. I, I genuinely think at this point, if I had to guess, that the Cincinnati Bengals might win the a- AFC North because they've seemed to turn it round. They seem to be heading in the right direction. The other two teams who could win that division are, 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 are to me, heading in the opposite direction. And it says something that 
the most reliable and stable of all the quarterbacks in the AFC North is Andy Dalton. Bill, he is. Yeah, no doubt about it. Bill Lazor's done a great job. They ran out 2016 winners over the Bills, and that was an interesting game in itself because uh, you had AJ Green went for what, 189 yards, seven catches, including a 77-yard touchdown. And so when you look at the box score, you're going to see Andy Dalton with two interceptions and AJ Green with that ridiculous stat line and going, oh, look, AJ Green bailing Andy Dalton out. But AJ Green was fully responsible for both interceptions. Yeah. One was on the numbers and bounced off his chest. One was in and out of his hands. Plus, he fumbled the ball. Like, <laughs> so he was responsible, essentially, for three turnovers in that game, which kept a game close that the Bengals actually, based on balance of play, should really have run away with. And you're right. There's been no better turnaround for a team from the first three weeks to the last two weeks than Cincinnati. But, the, but it's, the, it's the first two weeks to the last three because they easily could have had that win in Green Bay. Yeah, as well. yeah you're not yeah. wrong. There could be three and two with a win in Green Bay. But the Big Ben stuff as well is everything that we've said since pre-season. Soon as you start thinking about retirement, you're in trouble. And he didn't play well last year, and it's getting progressively worse this year. And his own comments suggest that he maybe doesn't have the right state of mind at the moment. Do you know what's what's kind of ridiculous about that bit? The Big Ben comment afterwards. Has anyone seen a video of what he said in the locker room afterwards? No. Yeah. Have it, so in the video, does it come across like he's taking the piss out a bit out of the reporter and being a bit sarcastic? It does, yeah, but it it, it also... I, I'm kind of torn between the two of whether he is being honest or whether he is just saying, oh, I'm Ben Roethlisberger as if I'm struggling. But when you've just thrown five picks, it's not really the time to be making those jokes either, is it? Yeah, I get, I get that, but he was clearly frustrated that day and... I, you could see how frustrated he was. And I think that I, it felt a little bit like, OK, it's probably not the way to react. But I kind of felt a little bit like, you know, people really overreacted to it. Being like, oh, my God, is Big Ben really done? And I think he was kind of getting annoyed at a beat reporter. And that's just how he was reacting to it. Well, I mean, you can get annoyed, but you are basically done based on everything we've seen over the last season and a quarter. I'm not, don't believe for one minute that maybe he can turn it round and I've seen players turn it around from worse situations but everything you see in as a Steelers fan will be will be massively concerning and uh, just to say tonight I don't know if people have been watching the old Jaguars jam on the Jags UK Facebook it's Aaron Colvin tonight and that Jags backfield Jalen Ramsey uh, AJ Boyer and then Aaron Colvin Tell playing out of the slot I think that's the best cornerback group in the NFL right now in terms of performance. I know Denver oh, right. is yeah, better yeah. on Denver's better on paper, but in terms of what those three have done, are absolutely brilliant. And uh, and we've seen look, some of the turnovers and the interceptions, the ones in London from AJ Boye and Jalen Ramsey. Didn't Jalen Ramsey get so um, spectacular? That stretched out catch was and, ridiculous. And the five interceptions against Big Ben. All right, it is against the Big Ben, but you've still got to get them and. They are playing lights out. It's they're so much fun to watch. Just the, going... the, the, the exciting part for me for the Jaguars is all three games have come effectively on the road that they've won and the defense has been awesome in. Like that that's a great sign because yeah. defence is generally great in their own building. It's tougher on the road. But Wembley obviously that was a, a pro Baltimore crowd for me. And then the other two games in, in, in pretty loud road environments to perform like that is outstanding. Uh, just to kind of wrap off the two divisions that we've been talking about in a bit more depth. Uh, first of all, that Bengals game, we talked about it, 20-16 win. From a Bills perspective... Well, Charles, Charles Clay's gone out. Charles Clay out. Lots of opportunity to win it. Of all of the Tyrod Taylor's completions, the, the touchdown throw was good, but he just completed 20 passes for 166 yards and he found... Only of those 20 passes, only three of them found wide receivers. I think we're starting to see the limits of that Bills offense. And then you had the Jets beating the Browns, which covers both of those divisions, the AFC East and the AFC North, in what was one of the most Brownsy performances of all time because they hadn't led in the NFL this season. And in the first half, they uh, Isaiah Crowell fumbled the ball on a toss on a third and goal. They then missed two field goals. Deshaun Kaiser was then picked off on the Jets too. So they had two red zone uh, trips and two makeable field goals and couldn't even get into the lead and end up losing 17-14. And then when they can tie the game in the second half, go for it on fourth and two when it's a chip shot field goal, which first of all I wouldn't have done. 
And secondly, having decided to do that, I wouldn't have ran a dive play up the middle with the running back into the heart of the only good unit on the Jets team. Like, Hugh Jackson has to take the blame for a lot of this stuff. I mean, it was just... I love Hugh Jackson. Me and you have spoken to him at a Super Bowl. Well, nice, nice fella. I thought he would be a really good head coach, but that was questionable. And uh, yes, there was the silver lining of Miles Garrett coming in, limited snaps, two, two sacks. He had a great game, but... Uh, the the Browns just are absolutely a dumpster fire. And the Jets, they're in, it's now a three-way tie at the top of the AFC East between the Bills, the Jets, and the Patriots. What's going and, on? And I would say both the Bills and the Jets have played the better football for the majority of the season. <laughs> uh, who saw the Jets going on a three-game winning streak? No and I think it's ever. great for Todd Bowles, though. I mean, I, I think he, he had a great first season. It kind of went really bad last year, but they've got rid of all of the, the negative locker room influences and we're seeing that he's a really good coach. I think the Jets, the big takeaway for me, if I'm a Jets fan, is maybe we've got our head coach of the future and that is something that we didn't think four weeks ago. The situation in the Pacific is worse than reported. The Japanese are planning something big. What's the target? Midway. From the director of Independence Day. A couple dozen planes. It's all Japanese fleet. We got the order to launch. Discover the incredible true story. Today we're going to be underdogs. Of the World War II battle. Good luck, boys. Fire! Midway. Download and keep now. Right, fair few uh, games for us to still get into. Anywhere anyone particularly wants to head to next? Well, let's cross from uh, the New York Jets to the New York Giants. Oh, this game, we talked about injuries. The New York Giants had three of their four wide, starting wide receivers have gone out with season-ending injuries. The Odell Beckham ankle injury looked horrendous in the moment and has ended up being season-ending. Brandon Marshall announced overnight that he is done for the year. Oh. And a really interesting, uh, the Instagram post from Brandon Marshall was one of the most mature things I've ever seen him kind of write or put out into the world about how... He seems to be on this full Steve Smith bent, accepts that he's not been good enough this year, didn't get used to the offence early enough, really frustrated with himself, but he's got this real determination to come back and have one more season in the NFL and, and really prove himself. So I thought that was quite interesting. Dwayne Harris goes down as well. Serling Shepard actually goes out of the game injured, but at least it wasn't a season ender. I mean, has the drafting of Evan Engram ever looked more important than in this moment? Well, exactly. And could we see a return of Victor Cruz? Okay. Oh God! I'm honest. I, you say, "Oh God," but they ha- they have the no one. He knows the offense. They need leadership on the field, especially in that wide receiving court. I wouldn't put it past the NFL. And you know, the NFL loves bringing players back. I wouldn't put it past them. So, the only question for the Giants mm. over the next few weeks is: Is Ben McAdoo your head coach going forward? That's the only thing that needs answering. Because for me, that I'd be amazed if they won more than two games now. So. That's what they need to learn over the rest of the season. And the answer probably should be no, in my opinion, but we'll see. Look, here's the kind of situation as it currently stands. You've got the Chargers winning out 27-22 over the Giants. The Chargers being the team that finally get their first win of the season. But there has to be an argument where they were favoured by a fair few people, including somebody talking on a microphone right now, to win that NFC East. They have not been able to get on offence whatsoever, despite having some really great pieces on the defensive side of the ball. Um, they've been able to... They've, they've been tight in a couple of... Ga- in, a, in, what, three straight games they've been within a score, but never really looked like winning those games. And there's a question to be asked about Eli looks broken. Ben McAdoo's offense doesn't look like it's working. If they get a top five pick this season, which I think looks likely, or even a top three pick, you've got two to three quarterbacks up there that people are talking about being franchise guys. And I think the Giants have to put some serious consideration into taking their quarterback of the future at the top of the draft next season. If I'm the Giants, I'm I'm falling up um, Dave Caldwell or whoever in Jacksonville, um, Tom Coughlin, and saying, give us a second round pick and you can have Eli Manning. Is, like, it, is it whoever, whoever lost this game yeah. were going to do that to Jacksonville? <laughs> if the Chargers had lost, give us a second round pick and we'll give yeah, you Philip but, Rivers. But Coughlin, Coughlin would surely want Eli anyway. I mean, I, I don't think Eli is, is great anymore, but you would back him 
with that team to really improve them significantly. And and for me, the Giants need to be thinking about their future now. You, this is the time to to completely blow it up. You, you're going to have the top five pick. Go and get a quarterback, especially if you get rid of Eli. I mean, you're basically accepting the season's over. But that's what I would do if I was uh, Jerry Reese, the Giants GM. What's really, that, really what's that good a team? waning a waning Manning going to a team with a really good defence for one last shot. <laughs> Absolutely. <What's> that? <laughs> the Jags are going to be the next Broncos. Come on, that's well, what we're saying. What I fear the Giants will do is hold serve and think Eli can still win for the next five years and trade away the draft pick for more resources to build around him. Terrible and ultimately, in a year's time, realise he really is done. I mean it's like the you look at the, we talked about the browns briefly but you now look at them passing on Wentz and Deshaun Watson and uh yeah, the, a number of other quarterbacks have gone over the last couple of years who are actually really starting to work out I mean even Jared Goff although Jared Goff I think scheme has a lot to do with it and we'll get onto that game actually in a minute I mean, I'll hold to serve and my thought on that but yeah I think the giants good defense Odo Beckham will come back next year, hopefully strong. They've got Evan Ingram, a good tight end. Their run game has actually looked pretty decent the last couple of games. Yeah, yeah. You know, put a good quarterback in there and improve the line, and suddenly you've got a team who should be going at least to the playoffs, if not deep in it. So for the Chargers, nice for them to finally get their first win of the season, and they did it by being mostly the better team. Um, just still a frustrating year for them and, and I think it's going to be interesting to see Anthony Lynn with the run game you saw him starting in this game to do more of what he did previously and Melvin Gordon doing a lot more kind of zone running and I think that's where they'll want to go with it I just think they're having to teach a running back a new system they're having to teach a line a new system and it's taking some time to bed in um, should we talk about a Seahawks-Rams game actually as I kind of started to get onto yeah. it we could segue to that off Philadelphia. Either works for me. Let's let's start off with the Seahawks Rams. Seahawks sixteen, Rams ten. Uh, a game where uh, the Seattle defense looked back to their very best. And you look at the Jared Goff interceptions from this game, and on each of them, they, it was heavily under pressure. Andrew Whitworth, who's been brilliant this season, uh, allowed Frank Clark around the end uh, for one of them, the one where he whiffed it straight up into the air under pressure from Clark. And I think this was the prime example of why, yes, there's been good reason to be getting excited about Jared Goff over recent weeks, but actually... Put him into a really difficult pressure situation, then there's still plenty for the young man to learn. I thought it was the embodiment of Jared Goff's career in one game. Mm. In, and and basically the reason he is where he is in one game, because the, the throws on the final drive were absolutely insane. Like, ludicrous. I mean, it, if Cooper Cup holds that at the end and they win the game, it's a different conversation, but... As good as they were, you cannot throw interceptions on screen passes. That is ridiculous. Mm -hmm. It's diabolically bad. So you kind of have those two extremes. And, and the moving forward, the idea would be to eliminate the, the negatives. I thought the main thing in this game was, and I'm big on this kind of stuff, it's a team who's used to winning games of that magnitude against a team who isn't. And the team who isn't has to learn how to do it. And they were close to the Rams and really... They shot themselves in the foot they, massively. I didn't they think the Seahawks. Won. I, 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 yeah, I, I of think course they should have won. They yeah. absolutely should have won. They were they were inside the red zone on five possessions and netted ten points. Exactly, and that's what I'm saying about it's teams used to winning against teams who aren't. They just couldn't take that final step. But the Rams are close. I think they're really close. I still think they can win the division because Seattle look unconvinced and more and more with each passing week on offence. And I tell you, yeah, I was going to say offensive side of the ball. So threw the ball 37 times, completing just 23 for 194 yards. The run game completely bottled up again for the most part. LA Blankting, Doug Baldwin, not a huge amount outside of him. Jimmy Graham, actually the one bright spot, acting as an outlet. Um, nice to see him do it over a few weeks rather than just a one-off. But, you know, maybe that becomes of a becomes of an outlet. But... Yeah, I, it's. I I still feel like the Seahawks, because of everything you're saying, will get healthier and will be fine. I just think the Rams struggled in the big moment and the, the, at a home the, the, game the, where there were more Seahawks fans than Rams fans. Again, yeah, and that's a key thing because you looked around the the stadium and the the NFL or the the director are trying ever so hard not to show the empty seats, but you can't miss them. 
60,000, I think, again, were meant to have been there. Didn't look like that at all. When I went to see the Rams last year against the Dolphins, there was something like 80, 75,000 in there, I think. There weren't seventy five. There weren't. They ju- I can tell you now they weren't. So I don't know whether they're inflating the figures or, or what, but had there but- been a Rams... A, a, a pro Rams, a large audience in there, a, a large attendance in there. You could have, you could say that may have helped the Rams at some point. Yeah, absolutely. How's it gone this bad so quick? How do you go from ninety thousand fans at a preseason game to sixty thousand when the team's three and one? It's just crazy. I just do you, don't get 60, it. I sixty thousand is generous, but in well. in terms of what they're putting out on the field as a product, yeah, they're, they're great. I mean. Yeah. Who doesn't want to watch the Rams at the moment? And, and we never thought we'd see And those so. uniforms, Sherry. Those uniforms are glorious. <laughs> yeah. Yellow, yeah, awesome yellow horn helmets with the they they all match everything there. They've got a great defense. They've got the running back. They've got the wide receiver in Cooper Cup. They've got the quarterback who's a who's a pretty guy. Why isn't it not a working? A local guy as well. It's a local. It's not working there. But come on, NFL. You want some proof about how improved the Jags and the Rams are this season? The 9.05 kickoff this coming Sunday will be live, not on TalkSport 2, on TalkSport. But we're not we're putting, really. We're putting the Jags awesome. on the main station yeah, but on we're Sunday not, night. Uh, you know, this isn't a TalkSport podcast. You know yeah, that. yeah, that's fine. I just, you know, I, I, I wanted to make that it. clear. I, I, I'm but... just very excited about it. Um, I want to talk about uh, the, the. We need to talk about the Eagles and how bad the Cardinals were. We'll get to that in a moment. Can we talk about the Ravens Raiders first? Yeah, because supposedly this is the Ravens getting healthy on offense, although two 50, 50 plus yard passes to Mike Wallace is what really kickstarted them. And actually, in the second half, they got practically shut down. But overall, it was a good Ravens performance. I want to talk about and somebody, uh, Rob Fussy, who is in a, a fantasy league, I'm in with a few guys, appears to have bought into this ridiculous conspiracy theory, hook, line and sinker that apparently the Rams O-line let Derek Carr get hit against Washington because they were angry that he didn't kneel for the national anthem. Raiders O-line. Yeah, sorry, the Raiders O-line. The Ravens O-line would let him get hit. That's the point. And it said, well, some of the video footage shows very weak protection from the same front line that offered no sacks last term. Something's not right there. Who the is claim Rob that Fussy? Donald Penn, ignoring that, the, the fact that <laughs> Donald Penn, I don't want to dig out one individual man too much. I just don't know who he is. I, uh, who is Rob he's, he's, a, he's a, a loyal listener and a really nice guy. But oh, right, he has okay. bought into this, this nonsense that Donald Penn and co have suddenly let their quarterback get hit because they're annoyed with him for not kneeling during the national anthem. You know, they're still professional sportsmen who want to win a Super Bowl ring in their lifetime and must realise that with Derek Carr under centre, that's the only way the Raiders do have an opportunity this year. The idea they'd let him get injured over the anthem protest is absolute lunacy. And yet it has completely flooded uh, like Raiders message boards all week. And there's YouTube videos of people trying to show how that's definitely what happened and how players were giving up on plays and stuff. It's all insanely silly. Yeah, I just wanted I mean, to get out there. Yeah, I think that I don't think Good that needs needs a comment. Yeah. yeah in term right. in terms of the game on Sunday, um, the Raiders fans with Marshall and Lynch still not getting anything really going. I think he went about forty seven off twelve something along those lines off the top of my head. That fan base is starting to turn. They bought into I, it at the beginning of the season. They are they're not getting what they want on the field. Amari Cooper doing his vanishing act. They didn't turn up in their numbers on Sunday. They're not a happy bunch. I, I don't want this to become the the I told you so podcast. But <laughs> Matthew this, Sherry, every podcast you're on is the I told you so podcast. But this is the problem with Jack Del Rio teams. Like at the end of the day, what this needed was a good coach to get hold of the team and say, "Right, guys, we need to win this game. This is how we're going to do it." The absolute way that they weren't going to win the game was being like twenty-one nil down after about half a quarter, which they basically were. Like. It's just rubbish, isn't it? Like, they're not a team that can just win in spite of the adversity of not having Derek Carr. It's not good enough. I mean, Jack Del Rio isn't a good enough head coach. And I think these are the kind of games where you need a good head coach to get you that W, get Derek Carr back in, suddenly your season's still on track. But the Ravens get healthy. They'll have Brandon Williams coming back still as well. And they're now at two, uh, at three and two. And in an AFC North, which has been pretty garbage so far this year, they get the Bears at home next week, a rookie quarterback. 
you know, I think the Ravens are, are trending in the right direction. There are two games left to talk about, and we've left one really great game on the table and one really great performance. So where do you want to head first? Performance. We'll performance. Go, we'll go performance because take a bow, Carson Wentz. What a game of football from him. What a game of football from the, the Eagles' defence as well. This was really, really good. The Eagles 34, Cardinals 7. Eagles scored back through 121 yards, three touchdowns and two incompletions in the first, uh, the first half on third down. Ooh. On third down! That is utterly ridiculous. Tory Smith had an absolutely brilliant uh, t- uh, score on the way to those 304 yards and four touchdowns. Nelson Aguilar with that 72-yard score where he completely broke the ankles of the defender and then stopped on the goal line and kind of Jesus dived backwards into the end zone in celebration. Jesus. This was this was brilliant. I think it was a bit like a Christ of the Redeemer. Yeah, it really was. Yeah, that's yeah. that bit. Yeah, I yeah. get it. I get it. Yeah, it was it was just brilliant. Zach Ertz the, as well. The Eagles yeah. look look like a really good team, don't they? I mean, the Eagles Panthers on Thursday is easily the best Thursday night football oh. game of the season. It's like, almost like we've planned this awesome. to leave the Eagles and Panthers as our last two games so we can preview Thursday night football at the end of the podcast. You know there is one game we haven't talked about as well. Oh right, is there? Yeah. What have I missed? Tennessee Miami. Uh, yeah, I kind of yeah. mentioned it in passing. That, that, Is that, that not enough? I, I hate to offend people who, who didn't like us doing this for Miami's last game last week. That is not worth talking about. Yeah, I don't think so. I, I think people didn't like us doing it because it was a London game. I'm not sure they're going to be as annoyed. That What I will say is Jarvis Landry, with the the strength and, and passion to get that ball at the end, I thought that was great. On what was essentially a hospital pass into two-man coverage. Well, the, the offence became throw to Jarvis, and that was their only touchdown, so the baby should do that more. Anyway, so- moving back to the Eagles-Cardinals. <laughs> We're going to get in trouble. Do you think we need to be worried about the Cardinals, or is it, that's it, that's them done for the year? Yeah, I don't think we're worried anymore. I think we're just done with it. I, I mean, I, They'll I have another Cardinal at, at quarterback next next season, and, and they're fine. I think they've been bad all season, but one thing with the Cardinals, if I'm going to give them a slight pass, and it's not a pass because it's ridiculous that this happens every time, but if people go back and look through their record, travelling to the East Coast for one of these 6pm games our time, they're always terrible. I remember one where they got the doors blown off by the Bills last season. So this, to me, was the most predictable outcome of the week. It it was just a, a good Eagles team feasting on a team that, never does that trip well and ultimately has been bad most of the year. The Cardinals as well, there's no run game at the moment and what Bruce Arians is refusing to do, and I like Bruce Arians a lot, but this is bad coaching. Carson Palmer is spending week in, week out on his ass. There's no running game that's getting going whatsoever and yet they're not bringing in an extra tight end. They're not bringing in an extra lineman. There's no attempts to offer extra protection. And what you're seeing is Carson Palmer checking the ball down on like third and 15 because he's getting pressure coming on him and there's nothing else he can do. It's really stubborn coaching from Arians. And I mean, he keeps getting asked about it. He's like, well, we've just got to block better. But Bruce, clearly you don't have the players to block better. So maybe you need to start doing something to help your team out. Just a thought. Not sure how we've left this game till last. Panthers 27, Lions 24. And the, the one stat that I really want to kind of draw attention to from this game is the Panthers ran the ball seven times with Cam Newton for no gain and 28 times overall for a total of 28 yards and yet put up 27 points. That says to me against a good Lions defence that Cam Newton is looking very much back from this shoulder surgery. Absolutely. And what, what's interested me is the two twin towers at, at wide receiver. I mean, I can't, boys. A, I can't think of a team in the NFL that can match up against both of those guys in terms of the sheer size of them. Like, they give the Patriots real nightmares when... Malcolm Butler was on one of them because he's an undersized corner. And most teams, I mean, most teams don't have one corner that can match up against any of those guys, never mind two. And it's really interesting to see the evolution of that offense just over this season. And without Greg Olson as well, I think the Panthers, the Panthers to me are looking like one of the best teams in the NFC again. Well, and Well, yeah, I mean, Ed Dixon came in five receptions 175 yards a massive monster game for him so you have those three big guys and then Christian McCaffrey who finally got his first 
NFL touchdown. And it was a lovely touchdown, yeah, by the way. Beautiful. That was a really beautiful play design. They yeah. they faked the run, and then he had the, the... It was one of those where it was a triple option. He had the pitch to... Uh, to Jonathan Stewart on the outside. He had the option to run it himself or he had the dump off to Christian McCaffrey up the middle. Found McCaffrey, brilliantly designed play, brilliant touchdown. I think the Panthers are looking really, really good and they're getting, crucially, they're getting wins on the road. So they're 3-0 and on the road, 1-1 one and one at home. Get, getting those wins on the road is huge because in, in, in difficult places yeah. as well. I mean, to go into New England and Detroit back-to-back and win both games is... Outstanding. They're probably going to get Greg Olson back later in the year. And just as a complete aside, how old do you two think Ed Dixon is? Ooh. He's in his 30s, isn't he? 34, 35? Yeah. He's only 30. What? I thought he was like closer to 40 than 30. Yeah, I, I was thought he was right into that range. So, uh, Cam Newton... We don't like the man after last week, but we do like the quarterback after this week. Uh, really impressive stuff. And actually, you know, Matt Stafford had a good day uh, statistically, but it was another attempted fourth quarter comeback. This one falling short, 27-24 in the end, an exciting fourth quarter. You mentioned the, the Ed Dixon thing. I thought he had a day because of those two. Yeah. Uh, because of what we got from those two. Yeah, because he was being matched. Twin towers, as you said it, because suddenly he's getting matched up by linebackers. Yeah. And actually, the other thing we've got to say for them, and, and the concern is that it's the same that concern with the Chiefs. They had an incredible third down efficiency. I think there were only seven of 16, the Panthers, but I think all of those, they seem to come in third and long situations. They were all passing. It was he, uh, Cam's stat line for the day was ridiculous. I think they do need to have the balance between the run and the pass. It just showed that they can win with one if the other's not working. Yeah, one of them was the key third down where Detroit would have got the ball back with a chance to have a third successive touchdown to win the game. But can I just say, Matt Stafford, we've kind of been on and off criticised him. He is one of the toughest quarterbacks in the NFL. I mean, insane fourth quarter performance from him. It was really, really impressive. Yeah, blood streaming from one of his hands and... Limping off the I think field he had two and... different leg injuries. It, yeah. was, it was really impressive. I've always been high on Matt Stafford uh, and, and Neil Dutton and uh, is it Ollie Colony, Colony or Neil Menwaring? Either one of those two guys slagged me off for being high on Stafford over Cutler. Well, I'm having the last laugh now, guys. <laughs> <laughs> he really did laugh yeah. as well. He wasn't joking. Uh, which and means, it, by the way, there are now... A didn't, well, didn't we miss one game off? Have we? Yeah. Your 49ers? No, I told. Oh, I, no, we mentioned it. Oh, did we mention uh, it? Yeah, okay. we mentioned it around the Mike yeah, Pence right. stuff, and I think that was enough. Yeah. Okay. Um, well, Adam Vinatieri, well done to him. Props. Yeah. All things that we said earlier on, Ollie. Okay. Mo- moving second in the all-time points list. We didn't say that uh, behind friend of the show, Morton Anderson. Um, <laughs> All right, Russell. <laughs> uh, we asked. We asked uh, if anyone had any questions on uh, on Twitter ahead of today. And Neil Dutton, friend of the show, uh, said, "Which team's winning record is the biggest bluff?" Uh, Ryan Peacock from the. Um, from Packers UK said Panthers, which I completely, clearly disagree with. But it does mean in the the NFL standings, we have a position where we've got some really good four and one teams, particularly in the NFC. We've got the Eagles sat at four and one, the Packers sat at four and one, the Panthers sat at four and one, the Falcons have had a bye week and have a potential to be there as well. The NFC playoffs this year could be absolutely barnstorming. And so many teams who aren't in that mix, who have, I mean, the Saints have done well since week two, like really bounce back. And then Washington, to me, have been one of the best teams in the NFL this year. And what are they at at the moment? Are they two, two and, and two? two? Two and two. So there's there's a huge number of good teams in the NFC. It's it's really, really exciting to look at. I think if I had to pick a team, I th- the Jets is the obvious one, but having won three on the bounce, it's a bit harsh to Patriots. say it's a... <laughs> well, based, based on the way they played in the five games, the Patriots are right in the mix. Ravens? For that. But the Ravens have bounced back this week. The Ravens, all three of their wins have been three games where they've played like they deserve to win them. Uh, It's absolutely the Steelers. Yeah, I think it's the Steelers as well. Uh, You look uh... at the schedule. I mean, it couldn't have been easier. The Steelers not being 5-0 is a disgrace. Can the Chiefs go undefeated in the season? No, they can't. No? Of course not. Interesting one. 
interesting one uh, coming in from uh, Chris. Is Hugh, he's a Browns fan, I'm assuming, is Hugh Jackson getting worn down by this rebuild in Cleveland and does he need an OC to ease his load? I, I'm a big fan of even when you've got a... Uh, even when you've got a, a, a head coach who is a clear one-side-of-the-ball guy... Even guys like, you know, Sean McDermott in Buffalo or Kyle Shanahan in... Mike in, McCarthy. In, the, the plays that you have somebody, an offensive coordinator, who that you... Ideally that you know well and you can trust and and that is taken off your plate because otherwise you start to see the kind of game management issues that we saw from the Browns this weekend. So yeah, I, absolutely. I think it's uh, a really were, interesting point, Chris. There were a couple of stupid timeouts in that game as well that are all hallmarks of that kind of thing your head coach should be a ceo type who can go in and, and firefight wherever there's issues on the team he shouldn't be looking after a whole unit yeah absolutely yeah yeah uh just very quickly a few other ones has dallas gotten worse this year or is it harder games to begin with are the eagles going to close out there i think the eagles will win the nfc east that's what jamie Foyle's asking us basically um and whether we expect the cow i think the cowboys will bounce back but the Eight and eight might be the Cowboys bouncing back. The, That's the, the thing. The problem with the Cowboys now. is that, yeah, their schedule is far harder because of finishing where they finished last season. So you're going to have to face the number one teams and the like. But um, I think, again, losing Sean Lee has, has been massive for them. The Zeke Elliott distraction at the beginning of the season wasn't great. I think, I think they're a better... They're better than eight and eight. I, I'd see them as a ten and six, maybe. I, I think the key with the Cowboys that I saw this week is David Irving back. So they've now got two really good pass rushers. Mm. I think that'll make a huge difference down the road. And I think they have got a lot of the, the tougher bits of the schedule out. I, I mean, San Francisco next, so you go to three and three. The, the games <laughs> against, but but you only win by two or three points. Yeah, absolutely. In overtime. Uh, The the perfect season. It's a a safety in overtime. (laughs) (laughs) I'll tell you what, though. That game in two weeks' time uh, at Washington and then the Chiefs at home and then at the Falcons, that's a three-game stretch there where that's where their season... And then Philadelphia, four-game stretch there, that's where their season... Lives or dies, really. Those those Philly games are the are the key ones, aren't they? They they they've, they're the ones that they have to win. They probably have to now win both games because of how contrasting the two starts of the season have been. But when you've got a great division like that, that those in division games are the key. And I I still I thought that I thought Sunday was a positive day for Dallas as much as the loss. I thought those two pass rushes coming back, Zeke starting to look more like Zeke again. I think the arrow is pointing up for them. Uh, final question, uh, Scott. Uh, we had one from Scott Campbell asking, "Should the Giants now just tank?" I think we kind of covered that a little bit already. Um, I, we always get people asking us some kind of—I was going to call them lifestyle questions, you know—some lighter, fluffier questions. And Tony has sent in three of them, so I'm just going to rattle them off. And uh, I'm going to let you know that there are correct. There is a correct answer to the first one. The other two, whatever. But uh, question one: Who's your favourite Batman villain? Heath Ledger's Joker. Very specific, but I like it. Um, I'm a I like huge, Bane as well. I'm a huge Tom Hardy fan, so I think it would be Bane. For I, I think I think it's just a question of who your favourite villain is, it, like uh, as a character, and I, it's got to be the Joker, surely. Oh, the Joker's the Joker, great. I, I, Greatest I, I comic book villain think, of all time. I also think the Riddler is hugely underrated. Oh, he's silly. I don't like silly. The, the, the Joker, that performance, especially posthumously, is. Just outstanding. What's your go-to movie when you're unwell? Ooh. Charlie and the Chocolate Factory, the original. Film. Oh, I like that. That's a good shout. It's probably Leon. Big Lebowski, I think might be mine. Oh, Big Lebowski. That's a good warm big, hug of a movie for me. Big Leon guy, me. Uh, and what's your standard coffee shop order? I'm hoping he's just asking this because he's planning to bring us a round of coffees in. A ladder, two sugars. Uh... I'll get this out of the way now. I don't drink coffee. I, sh- you know I like those caramel frappuccinos that Ollie got me onto in America a couple of years ago. But they are just so Just fattening. pure sugar. Pure sugar and fat. I used to be a black Americano guy, but I quite like... I quite like a cappuccino with a dusting of, sh- of chocolate. I'm a wanky chai latte man. Oh, I, I love like a chai latte. Uh, <laughs> and so Thursday night football coming up is an absolute cracker on Thursday night. It's Panthers 
at Eagles at the... Uh, no, it's Eagles at Panthers. Why has Google changed the way that it shows the games? It's Eagles at Panthers at the Bank of America Stadium. You know Stadium. why? Because you're looking at Google UK. If you go to Google.com, I bet you it says it the other way around. Yeah. Let's have a look. It should do. Panthers, Eagles at Bank of America Stadium. Uh, we've we've talked about how much we like these two teams. This is a great game. I kind of wish it was Sunday night football instead of Thursday night football. <laughs> Especially when you see what Sunday night football I'm is. I'm not talking about Don't it. Don't want to talk about not it, Not talking about it. Uh, Panthers, Eagles. Matt Sherry, which way are you going on this? Uh, I think the Panthers will win. I think uh, going on the road... It'll be hard work for the Eagles. So I think the Panthers sneak it, but I could see it going either way. I like this to be actually, even though we've got two offences which really fired nicely this weekend, I like this to be quite a defensive game, not unlike we saw from the, the Bucks patriots game this past week. But I think... I, 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 yeah, I think that the Panthers get their run game back going at home against that kind of confusing Eagles front, and I think they take it as well. Ollie? Uh, Panthers for me... I think their defence is, is going to cause Carson Wentz a lot of problems. I don't expect LeGarrette Blount to get going. On Conversely, I expect Jonathan Stewart and Christian McCaffrey to do well. We're at so. risk of keeping this under an hour, so let's do our goodbyes. Thank you to you, Ollie Hunter. Thanks. Thank you to you, Matt Sherry. Thanks. Brilliant stuff. This has been The Gridiron Show in association with Touchdown Trips, getting you in the game. Four days like no other. A festival like no other. For a bookmaker like no other. Betfred. Get up to £40 in free bets when you sign up using promo code CHELT40 and stake £10 on any Cheltenham race. Betfred. At the heart of Cheltenham. 18 plus. New UK customers only. Available from March 6th to March 13th. £30 free bets credited within 10 hours of first bet settlement. Extra £10 free bets credited if first bet loses. Full terms at betfred.com slash promotions. Keep it fun. BeGambleAware.org. Check us out on Twitter at Gridiron. Love you a long time. Bye. Love you a long time. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs>